When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go! Jets win it! Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to break down the film from the Jets' victory over the Giants 13-10 at MetLife Stadium. And so to do that, our friend who does all the film over on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, The Thunder from Down Under, and the man who is the number one Zach Wilson truther in the world right now, (laughs) Mr. Luke Grant. Luke, what's up, brother? That's me, Scott. I'm still clinging to my pre-draft analysis of Zach Wilson, like Daniel Jeremiah, and I can't get over it. But look, in all seriousness, we're going to have a discussion about his game against the Giants and obviously the tumultuous performance in general. But thank goodness got the win. We're four and three, and this this is a huge game. So let's start with Zach Wilson, because there's a lot to talk about here with this game. But Zach Wilson is the most interesting one. Because it's been very controversial to discuss him all season and really since he's become a Jet. And it seems like the discussion sort of goes between the people that are yelling about how you're not seeing how great he is or the people that are insisting that he stinks and he's responsible for literally everything bad in the world. And I sort of come down in the middle. I thought Daniel Jeremiah made a good video this week and had a pretty good explanation I think what it comes down to with Wilson is that generally he's improved significantly from last year. Now, that doesn't mean that he's a great quarterback. It doesn't even necessarily mean that he's a quality starter. But what it does mean is that he's been a serviceable backup so far. And I think you saw some of that. There were ups, there were downs, there was good, there was bad. And let's get into that. Dexter Lawrence pressured Zach Wilson 15 times. You saw Kayvon Thibodeau just destroy Mekhi Becton all day, and we're going to get into the offensive line in a bit, so we'll get into more depth on that. It's tough for anybody under those circumstances, and of course with the rain coming down and the third center being in the game, Newman, who of course had barely played with the Jets at all in terms of practice, 
and was more or less meeting Zach Wilson for the first time on the field. And the first snap ended up being a fumble. That one on Newman, I think, less than Zach Wilson. But I think overall, the bad was that Zach Wilson still held the ball too long quite a few times, especially on some of those sacks by Kayvon Thibodeau. Toward the end of the game, there's no excuse for not getting rid of the ball in a situation where you absolutely cannot take a sack. And on the fumble from Thibodeau, listen, Mekhi Becton got beat badly on the blind side, so it's not entirely on Wilson. But if you go back and look, and Matt Ryan alluded to this during the game, you count to three, and Zach Wilson still had the ball in his hands. He's got to have better pocket awareness. He should have gotten rid of the ball quicker. It's that simple. Again, certainly part of that goes on Mekhi Becton for just getting the brakes beat off of him and for losing so quickly, but Zach Wilson has to have better pocket awareness there. And there were some times in the fourth quarter where there were a couple of really bad throws. The one to Brees Hall that would have resulted in an easy first down is a prime example. But on the flip side, he made some really nice throws. We all know about what happened with the 24 seconds left in the game, but there were some other really nice throws. There was one to Alan Lazard that sticks out where he threw it over the defensive back. Perfect placement. Lazard just couldn't come up with it. And there were some on incompletions where these guys were just not helping him out. And there was no separation either by the receivers, which we'll talk about. The only one who was getting separation, as per usual, was Garrett Wilson. So to me, this was sort of a C-plus, maybe at best a B-minus performance for Zach Wilson. But he did step up in the clutch at the very end of the game and made those throws. And we're going to talk about Nathaniel Hackett a little bit later on because I think he plays into this because he's not giving Zach Wilson the best chance to succeed because it's not letting him do what he does best. But I thought overall, when it comes to Zach Wilson's performance, very uneven, but absolutely a step up from what we'd seen last year. Look, Daniel Jeremiah pinpointed this in his video. There were several times where Zach Wilson was getting his brains beat in, stepped up and made a nice throw. Sometimes that resulted in an incompletion because the receiver couldn't haul it in, but he made some nice throws under pressure that he absolutely would not have made. He stuck in the pocket under pressure sometimes and stepped up throws he would not have made before. So again, he is the backup quarterback. And I think that is the perspective that you need to have when you evaluate what you're seeing from Zach Wilson. I'm not sitting here telling you that any team is going to sign up to have this guy as their full-time starter right now. But what you have seen is growth without a doubt from last year. You saw more of that in this game. He wasn't great by any means, but as Daniel Jeremiah and Dan Orlovsky both said, I don't think he was anywhere near as bad as the detractors said either. There were some really nice throws in this game. Luke, you've got a video up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play like a jet, breaking all of this down. So talk to me. I know a lot of people have come at you because they say you're a Zach Wilson truther and you only highlight the positive, but there were certainly negatives here as well. I don't think he played a great game. I don't think he played a terrible game. I thought considering the weather conditions, considering the offensive line situation, considering the pressure he faced all day, including the 15 pressures from Dexter Lawrence, for a backup quarterback, I thought he was okay. And as Mark Sessler said, as ugly as it can be from drive to drive, he's at least giving the Jets a chance to win. And people will look at the third down conversion rates, which are horrible, and he certainly bears some of the blame for that, but a lot of that comes down to the play calling too, which we'll get into later. So unpack this for me, Luke. What'd you see on the tape? Yeah, on the third down stuff, when you run the ball nine times for 18 yards in the first half, you're going to be in third and longs, which the Jets have the thirdest, sorry, the the largest or the furthest third down distance to go in the NFL. So that's just something I wanted to touch on. 
the best way I can categorize Zach Wilson's performance against the Giants, and I said this in the game and then post-game, for three quarters, the Jets crippled Zach Wilson with poor blocking, 52% pressure rate allowed on Zach Wilson's dropbacks, dropped passes, poor play calling. But for five minutes in the fourth quarter, Zach Wilson crippled the Jets. That, that's the best way I can say it. I started the video review with the three negative plays. I'm going to be honest. I don't care about the two fumbles. I know people are looking about Thibodeau or talking about Thibodeau beating Becton. The reason that Zach Wilson actually leaves that pocket is because Connor McGovern gets beaten inside by Dexter Lawrence, and that's actually what triggers him to go. He doesn't feel Thibodeau from the backside, so I'm not super worried about that. A center quarterback exchange in the wet from a guy who's never snapped a football before doesn't concern me either. There were three negative plays. The Brees uh, third and one incompletion that you mentioned just dirted that ball rolling out to his right. The two sacks in the fourth quarter in the first of the two-minute drives. I will say and yes, I'm a Zach Wilson truther, that there was no one open on either. But on the first one on second and 10, you have to throw that football out of bounds. Nothing was there. No one was even close to open. Don't push it. You've got two downs left because it's four down territory. Get rid of the ball. He doesn't. He gets sacked from the backside. That's a negative play. On fourth down, he could have checked the ball down. Maybe I think it was Tyler Conklin, but you don't want to throw it 11 yards behind the sticks either. He needs to just throw up a prayer and hope for the best. And then it's not on him because, again, no one was open. No one's beating man coverage. No one's being schemed open. But Zach Wilson still ultimately made the mistake by taking those sacks. Outside of those plays, and I know you can't just scrub three plays from the record. That's not how the NFL works. That's not how sport works. I think Zach Wilson was a 7 out of 10 for the other 37, 38 dropbacks that he had. Obviously, that score comes down when you factor in the negatives. But as you said, the toughness and maneuverability in the pocket is a huge growth from Zach Wilson. He was just getting beaten up by Dexter Lawrence, by Kayvon Thibodeau, and he was standing in there and not just delivering good passable footballs. They were like dimes. The one to Garrett Wilson in overtime, big time throw. The one you mentioned where he wades through the muddy pocket and hits Alan Lazard on the sail route. Just gorgeous. Another one to Garrett Wilson in the second quarter, right-hand side of the Jets formation, throws the um the out from the court from the slot. Sorry. Just ideal timing, anticipation, location, everything you're after when throwing to the sidelines. The other two areas, though, that impressed me were Zach Wilson in that 24-second clutch drive. Like, what just two terrific throws. The ball down the seam to Wilson. Anticipation on that letting go before he'd even gotten in his break. And then throwing that ball to Lazard and getting the clock stopped with the spike. The football game management skills that we saw lacking against uh, the Chiefs, I think it was, a couple of... Well, not the Chiefs, the Eagles, a couple of games before, whichever one it was. So um, the growth is there. But the last thing is minor details. Everyone looks at big picture... You know, footwork, accuracy, sacks, pocket presence. There's little things that people don't pay attention to. And the two plays that really showcased that were the little throw in the flat off play action to CJ Uzama, the ball handling and deception from Zach Wilson. Like he looked like Aaron Rodgers. He tucks the ball under his left arm. He extends the play action fake with an empty right hand. People say, why does he do that? Because the crashing defensive end sees an empty hand from Zach Wilson. He believes the football is gone. So he crashes on Brees Hall and Zach just pirouettes out and finds CJ Uzama in the flat. If you look at the play in the hole, you go, well, that's an easy completion. Any, any NFL quarterback makes that play. But without that initial deception and the minor details, you don't get that win and that defensive end crashing. And the last one I want to touch on is the Brees Hall touchdown. 
Obviously, everyone's given Brees accol- his accolades for that play. Incredible job bouncing off his left foot, making two linebackers miss, and follow- following the block of CJ Uzama. But Zach has this little 45-degree angle that I show on my video, where they've got the defensive tackle with two arms up, there is nowhere to throw, and he just finds a lane, and not only does he get it to Brees Hall, but he leads him and turns his body away from the linebacker and gives him a chance to make that spectacular run. So... I just thought on the whole, there was so much good, but people can't get past the box score. And you know why he had a low completion percentage? Yeah, he made some mistakes. I already touched on those. But you had receivers running into each other, Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. You had Lazard dropping two balls, Garrett Wilson dropping one. Uh, You had um, just people not getting open. Uh, Brees Hall with a big drop down the stretch. No one's helping out a young quarterback. He was pressured on 31 by 31 Giants in this game on 21 different snaps. That's just absurd. And on the whole, you can't expect to win a game like that with a backup quarterback. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Luke, let's talk about the play calling here and everything that you mentioned in terms of strategy with Nathaniel Hackett. I thought that Zach Wilson played okay. Given the circumstances, I wouldn't take it as far as you would, but I think he played okay. I do think that Nathaniel Hackett and the offensive line, who we'll touch on in a little bit, did very little to help Zach Wilson, and as you said, in fact, hindered him. You heard Matt Ryan very clearly during the broadcast. He said it as well as anybody could. He said the Giants knew what the Jets were doing, and they had clearly figured out how to stop it. So at a certain point, if you're Nathaniel Hackett, you have to let Zach Wilson play more of his game. You've got to let him be in the no huddle. You've got to have him throw outside the numbers. You've got to let him throw downfield because what they were doing just wasn't working. And you can't just keep trying something that the opposing defense is stopping and hoping that eventually it'll work because that's not how you put up points in the NFL. They kept putting themselves in tough situations with penalties as well. That didn't help. And so there was constant third and longs. And so while Zach Wilson's third down conversion rate wasn't great, like I said, he was being put in bad positions all the way through. So that didn't help him either. Talk to me a little bit about what you saw from Nathaniel Hackett here, because I really think that they have got to go back to the drawing board and become more inventive with what they're allowing Zach Wilson to do. I understand it opens him up for potential for risk and mistakes, but they've got to at least do a couple of downfield shots. They got to let him throw outside the numbers a little bit just to keep the defenses honest. Otherwise, you're going to see more of what we saw in this game against the Giants, which is just predictable stuff that the opposing defense has no trouble stopping. Yeah, and I mean, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And that's kind of where I'm at with Nathaniel Hackett and his play calling right now. I'm still calling for him to throw more play action and throw the ball more on first down because he still isn't doing it. When Zach Wilson had result, good results, he was under center and he checked the football down to Brees Hall. That ended up in a touchdown. He threw an absurd line drive to Garrett Wilson on the left side of the Jets formation where the Giants ended up challenging, but he was inbounds and the call stood. All on the back of play action, all on the back of throwing early on the drive. You have to give him an opportunity to do so. People will then say, yeah, but the Jets weren't running the football well, so play action doesn't work. We'll throw on the Miami Dolphins tape. They did not run the ball well for a change uh, this week in week eight, but they still ran play action on something like 18 dropbacks and were absurdly successful. Now, do the Jets have the weapons they have with Waddle and uh, Tyreek Hill and everyone else in that offense and Micah McDaniel? No, they don't. But schematically the same principle still applied to the Jets offense and keeping people off balance and play action is a huge way to do it. But outside of that, there was 
you know, certain drives where the Jets were finally in good territory, starting with the football, and Dalvin Cook was in for all three rushes and you all three plays on that drive, and you didn't get any of your best offensive player, possibly Brees Hall, on the field. Instead, you've got Dalvin Cook, and you're in third and long, as you mentioned. It's just getting very frustrating. And on top of that, then you've got, obviously, the, the woes and the issues with talent at wide receiver and with the offensive line. So it's a bit of a combination of all those factors right now. But all in all, you're just not getting people spring open in the Nathaniel Hackett offense. And yes, some of that is the inability to beat man, but sometimes scheme outweighs talent and the Jets just aren't getting that benefit from their play caller. The offensive line was absolutely disastrous in this game. Specifically, Mekhi Becton was really bad. I like Mekhi Becton. I think he's largely had a really good season. Impressive after being gone for two years with those knee injuries, but this was not his day. Kayvon Thibodeau beating him like a drum. And then, of course, we know what Dexter Lawrence did against the third string center, he was beating up Connor McGovern anyway before McGovern got hurt. I believe he had four pressures against Connor McGovern before McGovern ended up getting injured. And so the offensive line did nobody any favors in this game. Obviously, the injuries played into the overall performance. They lost their top two centers in this game. And now the Jets are down their top three centers, if you include Joe Tipman. And then as far as the running game goes, that extended to the running game because Brees Hall had nowhere to go. Now, he ended up making a play in the passing game, which we'll get to, but it's tough to be able to run when the offensive line can't open up anything for you. So talk a little bit about the lack of running game and the overall poor performance from the offensive line. Was there anything positive that you saw from them in this game? You want to talk about the offensive line not helping Zach Wilson. I'm going to change the topic for just a moment. A guy that has not been helping the Las Vegas Raiders this year is Josh McDaniels, and he and the GM, Dave Ziegler, have both just been fired. So a little bit of breaking news while we're recording the Play Like a Jet podcast. A new slate will be seeing the Jets on Sunday Night Football in a fortnight. So getting back, though, to talking about the offensive line, Scott, um, look, Dexter Lawrence was just incredible. Like, he's a really good football player, and I've had Giants fans coming at me trying to compare one stat sheet and one box score of Quinton Williams versus Dexter Lawrence. It's absurd. But Connor McGovern couldn't block him. And then poor X, the dude's come in fourth string center when you consider that Joe Tipman's out as well. And he just had no answers. I mean, he was just getting beaten down the stretch like a drum. And as you mentioned, yeah, Mackay Becton had a really rough game. And 77 has been fantastic for the Jets this year. He's been one of the best stories in the NFL. He's been healthy. He's been physical in the run game. He's moved well in pass pro. But Thibodeau just gave him a ton of issues. He beat him around the edge more than we've seen. Kayvon Thibodeau has often gone speed to power or inside counters. He actually won around the ring more than I've seen in any NFL game in his career. So I think he caught Makai Becton by surprise a little bit with that. And, and Makai definitely struggled. Then you had the revolving door at right guard. Billy Turner came in. Um, he didn't have any success either. Uh, I think he gave up three pressures to Dexter Lawrence as well. The mainstay, I guess, is Lakin Tomlinson. He's probably been the Jets' best offensive lineman in the last couple of weeks. But they need uh, Joe Tipman back in the worst way. Obviously, they brought in Roger Saffold off the off the lounge, a bit like the Giants did with Pugh. But I don't think he's going to fix any issues. His depth right now, he was not great in Buffalo last year. So they need Joe Tipman to come in and be the starting center. And they need to just get by at right guard. Because the NFL is a position where you can't have two weaknesses, let alone one. So uh, it's going to be interesting. They were very, very poor against the Giants. As I said, 31 pressures on 21 different plays, over 50% pressure rate for Zach Wilson. And uh, that's just not sustainable for success. 
wish Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler would have traded Hunter Renfro to the Jets before they got fired, or even Devontae Adams. I don't want to get too greedy, but that yeah. would have been nice. Luke, let's talk a little bit about the receivers. You keep talking about how they're not getting separation, with, of course, the notable exception of Garrett Wilson. And then you look at the rest of the receiving core. Man, it has been rough. Alan Lazard has just not been getting it done. He is beyond below average as a number two receiver, at best operating as an okay number three wide receiver at this point. The Jets are not really even using anybody beyond him. I like Tyler Conklin, non-factor in this game, but this is why I wish the Jets would have done something at the trade deadline. You've got to get somebody in here that can help move the chains and at least give the Jets a chance. If anything happens to Garrett Wilson, this team is in a lot of trouble. And even with him healthy, they just don't have much to work with. It's been very disappointing, and this game was no exception. Yeah, and my concern, even beyond injury, Scott, is when you come up against a really good DC who finds a way to take away your best weapon, a la Bill Belichick. The Jets don't have an answer outside of maybe Tyler Conklin, who's good against man, but they don't move him around enough. They aren't creative enough to just get him open. That's not who Nathaniel Hackett is as an offensive coordinator. So you need other guys to step up. If they're going to double someone, other guys have to win. Alan Lazard's not beating man coverage. He popped open against zone three or four times. He's quite good at that, but he's not beating man I don't think Conklin had a great game. The one or two times he was targeted, he was blanketed and Zach Wilson tried to fit the ball in, but there was nowhere to go and he had to lead him to the outside sideline. Xavier Gibson, Malik Taylor, uh, Brownlee had, I think, two snaps. I won't really touch on him, but they really struggled to get any separation or get open. And for me, this was a concern all the way back in the offseason. This is why I was pounding the table for DeAndre Hopkins, who had nearly third was on pace for 1,400 yards with primarily backup quarterback play in Carol, um, excuse me, with the Cardinals last year. He had three touchdowns on Sunday and he's been ridiculously good. The Jets needed help even before Corey Davis went down and retired. And now they're left in this position where they're without Aaron Rodgers, they haven't got a talent multiplier at quarterback, and they're just floundering at the skill positions outside of obviously Brees Hall. But Brees can't bring you anything, especially in the running game, if the O-line isn't performing. That's just why running backs aren't valued highly in the NFL draft anymore. And you saw that on the weekend. Yeah, as you said, he popped the run, sorry, popped the uh, the big play off the, um, the pass from Zach Wilson off play action, but he couldn't get anything going in the running game because O-line dictates running game success. So Jets need to do something because obviously it's not coming from an external, you know, help right now. They're not getting help from their play caller. So someone's got to step up. Maybe it is Xavier Gibson. But in saying that, I think Malik Taylor outplayed him as far as snap counts against the Giants. So I'm not sure where they go, but it it was not good enough on Sunday. Luke, let's talk about the defense. And we're going to do a general overview here because this was such a strange game to talk about. The Giants really didn't pass the ball, so you can't really talk about the secondary because there's not much to say. And as far as rushing the passer, yeah, Jermaine Johnson got in there for five pressures, which seems almost impossible because DeVito and Tyrod Taylor almost never dropped back to pass, and Bryce Huff got himself another sack. But this was a game where they almost entirely had to stop the run and didn't do the best job of it. I know that the yards per carry wasn't great, But Saquon Barkley had over 126 yards rushing on a day when the Jets knew exactly what the Giants were going to do. So the Giants left no mystery. They just were not going to throw the ball with their third string quarterback in there once Tyrod Taylor went out. And the Jets defense did hold the Giants to very few points. But 
it was just such a strange performance all the way around. All those penalties we have to talk about, too. Just embarrassing. Talk a little bit about what you saw on the tape from the defense here and the penalties as well. And that's something, of course, that the coaching staff really has to work on because it was horrible. Yeah, it's hard to give the Jets' defense that much credit because they literally were playing the most one-dimensional offense I've ever seen. And there was a bit of this last year when teams knew that Zach Wilson and Mike White couldn't pass on them, so they just ran the football. This was obviously for a very different reason. But in saying that, the pass rush was still phenomenal. I mean, when they had the opportunity, the Giants only dropped back 18 times in this game, right? 14 um, pass attempts and four sacks. The Jets sacked them four of those 18 snaps. Like That's ridiculous. That's nearly a 25 percent success rate as far as getting to the quarterback and sacking him for a loss keeping them to i think it was minus yard minus nine total passing yards ridiculous great job from the front four when it came to rushing the passer huff um, and johnson have been tremendous on the edge the last month of football full credit to them not going to touch on source or uh, dj reed in their first game back because as you said they really didn't get asked any questions so the linebackers were good again Quincy was everywhere, but the penalty. That's now, I think, three in the last four weeks for Quincy with uh, personal fouls, 15-yard flags. You had Jermaine Johnson, who's been pretty disciplined. He had a really bad one. Then you had Michael Clemens jumping offside of the punt, and that's when the Giants started getting the running game going. If you remember, the Jets had, I think, a, a fourth and five. Clemens jumps offside from their own 25 or 30-yard line, and then suddenly they ram the ball down the Jets' throat. Saquon starts getting going. Uh, the quarterback goes on a few runs. They kick a field goal. They go ahead. That was a pivotal moment because the Jets started getting gassed from there. I'd like to see them be able to defend the run better when they know, literally know, the team's running the football. Like The Giants were running the ball on third and 11 because they knew they couldn't do anything, and the Jets were still a bit leaky. And that's a bit of a concern with Al Woods going down, who's your primary nose-tackle uh, nose run stuffer. They need to get creative now. They called up Tanzel Smart. But look, on the whole, how can you be critical of the unit? They let in 10 points. They uh, had, as I said, the best or tied for the best passing yard total in Jets history. A phenomenal day. And once again, they keep proving they're a great unit. But... I question Robert Sala's ability to keep this these guys disciplined because there were three personal fouls, if you include Mackay Becton's, a couple of big offsides, and you just got to be better than that and clean up the pre-snap stuff. We don't break down the tape of special teams, but needless to say, two thumbs up, two very big thumbs up for Greg the Leg Zerline and especially for Thomas Morstead. My goodness, three punts inside the 10-yard line, first time in franchise history that that's been done. What a phenomenal performance by him. The Jets don't win that game without him pinning the Giants back consistently throughout the game. Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under, thanks so much for coming on and breaking down the All-22 of the Jets' victory over the Giants, 13-10 with me. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out everything we're doing on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel and our store at tpublic.com, that's T-E-E-Public.com, where are they going to find yeah, you're going to find on the YouTube channel 8 to 12 minute videos, all 22 breakdowns talking about, as we said, today's video on Zach Wilson. There's also going to be videos out this week on Roger Saffold, who the Jets brought in to be the answer at possibly right guard and add some depth. Quincy Williams in the linebacking core. And then I'm going to look at Jermaine Johnson and how he keeps on thriving and the value the Jets got out of not trading for Tyreek Hill in the end and not getting that over the line has been ridiculously good. So Four to five videos every single week in that 10-minute range, breaking down little nuanced details you, you can't pick up on the TV tape. 
And then at the uh, Tea Public store, you're going to see things like the Bless You Thank You range with Quinnen and John Franklin Myers, who's probably the most underrated jet out there. The Zach the Ripper range, Play Like a Jet logo merch, do anything you like with it, put it on a T-shirt, put it on a laptop sticker. We've got you covered. So make sure you check us, check us out and keep supporting the channel. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikejet, and subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.